Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Glad to get here. <laughs> so, I hope uh, hope it's been a uh, a good week for you, Phil. Sometimes you have one of those weeks, you know, and yeah, uh, it happens. <laughs> and then you say, "Well, I just need to do a world transform to maybe get some other geek in at the end, right?" That's kind of that's right. That's right. Have a little fun here at the end of the week. That's that's, that's, that's what how we, shows that's are how we roll. all about. That's yeah, how that's we right. wrap up our weeks around here. Well. We've got a we've got an easy show tonight. Let's just we're we're gonna we're gonna admit it to the audience here. We're taking it easy on ourselves because I've called this show "Checking In on the Future," and these were all three news stories that showed up, in, either in Facebook or elsewhere, that um, you know are c- contemporary to this week. But they're also all topics that we've been talking about for years. Really, they're, they're all they're all future developments that we're tracking as they go. But they've all had some progress over the past few weeks, and so you know, it's, every now and then you just got to kind of check in on these things, right? That's right. You know, we, it's like a, the report card or something. You know, it's uh, it's an ongoing thing. This this future business, right? So exactly. <laughs> now, this first one, uh, good news despite what you've heard. Uh, this isn't so much uh, checking in on the progress, although uh, it, it's always good to do that, as it is checking in on the fact that more and more people are grasping it. You know, it's it's great to see yeah. the New York Times have an opinion piece that talks about something that we've talked about any number of times. And this is uh, Nicholas Kristof in the in the Sunday Review earlier this week in the New York Times talking about the fact that it doesn't matter what you've heard, doesn't matter what you think. Overall, generally speaking, things are getting better. And he even makes this very bold statement: 2017 is likely to be the best year in the history of humanity. Right. That is a thing that people need to keep front and center, don't you think? Or that Absolutely. They, they need and to come you know, back to, you know? Uh, that's right. I mean, we, we really have um, a polarized um, population, and not just, not just politics, but just, you know, in so many ways, we, just, we, we, we tend to think the worst about each other and, uh, and, 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 what fu- and what the future holds in general, right? And it's, yeah, uh, I, I think it's one, one of the... Yeah, one of the big downsides, as if we needed additional ones, but one of the big downsides of the political divide, this ideological divide that we see in this country and really all over the world, is that if you're the group out of power, you go very Which negative. Which faces, you know, it's going to, that's going to happen, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, and, you know, you know if, if, if your half of the world is out of power, right, yeah, yeah right. then then you foresee nothing but bleak things. You see nothing but bad things happening, and you see nothing but bad things on the horizon. It, it, it becomes right. this, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket. It's all over. And I, I saw a lot of that from my conservative friends during the Obama years, and I thought, well, you know, at least we'll get out of that. But we haven't because it just flipped, right? <laughs> and now in the, uh, 
<laughs> in, in the Trump years, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll was, pay the five bucks. Like, I said uh, his name. We've got the other half of the country going completely nuts, right? I mean, they're just it's, well, it's, it's like it's like it's it's like the left is you know, uh, hey, you on the right think you know doom and gloom? Hold my beer, right? Mm. Um, it's, exactly. Just, yeah. 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 I mean, so, really seeing seeing is, a bleak future and a and a very uh, excuse me a bleak present and a very bleak future. That's that's, that's all they can right. see. It's, and it's and it's a shame because regardless of who's uh, who's in the uh, in the Oval Office, uh, things like this just keep getting better and better. So I guess we need to get to the actual things that are. Getting let's better. get to the, you know why don't we talk yeah. about the good stuff? Yeah, because we can talk. Yeah, yeah, I mean, let's face it, we contributed to the problem by doing our show on techno progressivism earlier this week. Although not really, because didn't we really not kind much. of focus on how we're all closer than we thought we were? Right, that was kind of the, exactly. Uh, it, tur- it, it turns out that uh, hey, you know what. Um, in 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 certain exactly. lighting, Stephen Gordon can be confused for a techno progressive. Okay, so if the, <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> you know, when the wind's blowing the right way. So uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if uh, if you're upwind of me, uh, you, know, I might, I might, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's 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 pretty good. That's right. that's, that's pretty good news. But this story, this is great. You got to read this. Follow the link and read this. Um, Christoph talks about leprosy, and he's in. Liberia, okay? So if you're in Liberia, you don't think you're going to hear happy things about the state of the world. And if you're in a basically a treatment facility for lepers in Liberia, you don't think you're going to hear good things about the world. But kudos to Nicholas Kristof because he finds the he finds the good news there. And the fact is that worldwide cases of leprosy have dropped 97% since 1985, and now it is easily treatable. I'm reading from the story right. here. A global plan right. set 2020 as a target for no more children to become deformed by leprosy. And we're on track for that to happen. So, so you know, for, for that to happen, you have to catch the kids that manage to get it still, right? Yeah, yeah. Early enough before, um, you know, before they're maimed by this disease. And, That's right. Uh, and so, you know, obviously, if if uh, if a child were to come down with leprosy in South Texas or someplace, right, uh, in in the developed world, which is possible, I mean, uh, uh, there are armadillos, for example, in uh, in southern parts of the United States uh, can carry this. Carry is that this. right? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and if if you have, you know, so uh, be careful as you shovel them off the highway, right? But anyway, right, um, so it's. If you happen to catch it, though, it's it's very treatable now, and uh, and so you're not a child uh, that just happened to you know touch an armadillo or something will not you know is not going to get maimed in the United States by this disease, but it's it's someplace more remote you know, and so obviously it's uh, you know globalization has uh, you know people uh, talk about the downside of globalization, but uh, you know uh, as the world gets smaller, right. Uh, there are there are fewer places for this disease to hide out and and to really hurt people before they're treated, and uh, so that's good news. The wonderful news, wonderful news, and and yeah. the story the story goes on to talk about improving conditions in Liberia, a place that when you think about it, you just I I, I you know I'm sorry that I use this term, but this is what I think I think of as kind of a hellhole, right? I, I think yeah. I, I think of as just one of the worst places on earth, and he talks about how things are getting better there. And he talks well, about I mean, when we were kids, Phil. I mean, uh, wasn't it? I mean, that. I mean, it was the it was the case that uh, Liberia was a hellhole. Most and, of my uh, life, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's been one horrible thing kid, after uh, Badly, we kids, badly governed. In our thirties, right? <laughs> yeah. Con- constantly at war. Um, yeah. 
just poverty and misery and violence and and it's turning around, which is a wonderful thing to see. We've got a long way to go, obviously, but uh, how right. wonderful to see that that's that that's happening. And of course, there are economic drivers of that, and, we, and we've talked about how people have been lifted out of poverty at a rate greater than any previously in history over the past two decades, that that was primarily in Asia. And one of the things we're looking for in the coming two decades is for something similar to happen in Africa. And maybe here in this piece by Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times, we're seeing some early indications of that. Wouldn't that be great? If, uh, if, if down the road a little bit, we say, you know, that was really awesome what happened in Asia in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. But boy, what happened in Africa in like the teens and the 2020s was, you know, put that to shame. That would be that would be quite sweet. Anyway, I love um, the stat in the I love the stat in the article, Phil. Every day, another 250,000 people graduate from extreme poverty. So, uh, how many people are in the world now? About nine billion or so. How, uh, I how, think how it's, many, it's south of eight, isn't it? Seven point eight billion, something like that. Uh, maybe one of us should look that up while the other's talking. Oh, okay, you, you go on. You pontificate. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Anyway, my point. thought is, uh, if if every day two hundred fifty thousand people graduate from extreme poverty, how long until you know the entire world is no longer in what we would uh, classify as extreme poverty? Um, I know seven point five billion, according to Wikipedia. Okay, very good. I'll go with that number. In, and um, you know, if we're talking two hundred fifty thousand people a day coming out of extreme poverty, it's you know, that, Seven million that, a month, uh, right? So, yeah, you know, not bad. That adds up, man. Now, <laughs> yeah. of course, new people are coming along, uh, in, in, and sometimes they're in extreme poverty, uh, as, as, as we know. But uh, that's, uh, I, you know, I just can't think that 250,000 people. Oh, but see, that's people. the question. Now let's compare. How many people are born every day? Ah, there you go. I'm looking it up. Any guesses? You said there'd be no math, Phil. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, not, I'm just typing into Google, so, you know. All righty, okay. Uh, world birth and death rates, 19 births per 1,000. No, come on. Just tell me how many people are born on the planet every day. That's too hard. Because uh, 1,000, okay, so how many thousands in 7.5 billion? Now, this is math, right? Um, <laughs> that's seven. No, I got it. It's 7,500. Thousands, right? There's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Times 19. Okay, well that's hard. I'll need a calculator for that. Anyway, I'm thinking it's less than 250,000. That's my point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so it's, and so um, I, I can't, you know, this this has to be progress. Um, and uh, that's all. Awesome. We're we're pulling and, uh, people out of poverty. I think if 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 I'm roughly doing the math there correctly, more rapidly than people are being born. Right. Which means we're making tremendous headway, right? Even, That's right. Even if everybody who's born on the planet is poor, which we know isn't true, um, right. we're, we're, we're getting way ahead. So that's awesome. I mean, it, it's, those, those stats that follow it, 300,000 get electricity for the first time every day. Every day that happens. 300,000 people who didn't have electricity get it. 285,000 Can you people imagine, who, Phil, how – I mean I, – I, you know, I, I, I recall it, you know, it was a big deal when I was a kid. We got cable television when I was about yeah. you know, 12, yeah. 13. That was, you know, it was huge. But can you imagine the life-changing, and I, I can't because, I, you know, born in the developed world, I'm, you know, spoiled to electricity from day one, right? But uh, can yeah. you imagine what that is like for, for a family, let's say, sitting in the dark, you know, when the sun goes down and 
you know, not you know, and washing your washing your clothes in in a creek, which might continue after you get electricity, but uh, but eventually, you know, eventually not, right? Um, it's just just uh, the you know the life changing uh, thing that of uh, just having some light in the evening, so that you know maybe you spend a little time. I don't know, reading a little something uh, or, uh, you know, or something. Yeah, light that you get not from kerosene or from burning dung or something that's, like that, right? You know, but. Which, you know, absolutely. The, the, in, that sort of light, uh, you know, you, you end up with uh, with lung problems and stuff, and people do. Um, yeah, and, and, and eye problems. Heat you're trying to, straining to read under that kind of light sure. and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah, it, and you, uh, it, it makes such a, such a big difference. And this all really, you know, this factors in very well with, Brian Wong's uh, basic power concept. He says, let's take this idea, 300,000 people getting electricity for the first time. Brian Wong would look at that and say, that's a good start, right? Let's, uh, right. We, we, <laughs> we can do better. <laughs> let's get that up to a million a day and, uh, and, and really get people connected because that is the difference maker right there. Once you've got electricity, you've got... Uh, you're, well, you can you're, plug you're no, into the world, too. I mean, yeah. you know, you, 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 once you have electricity, you can plug into the world. Uh, you can and, charge and, that and, phone, and they want, that, that smart yeah. device that you, that, that you probably already have anyway and that you have to go someplace to charge, right? Right. But you can, you can cook food and light your home without filling the atmosphere with carcinogens. You can clean your clothing without yeah. that becoming half of the day's work for some, usually woman, right? I mean, it's the, 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 the difference in lifestyle the difference in what's possible for people with electricity versus people who don't have them, it's just, it's almost like that's the, that's the civilization magic bullet right there, right? I mean, that's the thing right. that... Well, that, that you're you stepping from the 19th world. century into the modern world. Yeah. It, just overnight, just, just like that, you know? At the flick of a switch, it happens. And uh, yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, um, this next, I, I guess, uh, Phil, this next story, we, it's a good time to segue, right? Um, oh, well, there you go. Power, how we're going to power they, these homes. Right? They, 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 factor, they, factor they factor together pretty nicely. Fusion energy on grid by 2030, says MIT scientists. Okay, we've been talking about fusion since day one. Fusion is, uh, when, when will we have fusion? 20 years from now. When, when will we always have fusion, right? 20, 20, 20 years, years from, from now. now. I actually when, saw when, a uh, – I, I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline, but I think it was uh, Francis Fukumaya. He said, uh, fusion really is 20 years away. <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah, and, and he meant it. You know, it was like, no, no, we're actually 20 years away. But this is more ambitious than that, okay? This is, what, 13 in, years away, fusion energy. Yeah, fusion energy on grid by 2030, says MIT scientist. Now, we know that the uh, – the Tokamak project ran for years and, and did produce energy. So we've been expecting this, you know, when do the findings of that research get rolled into something real, get, get rolled into something operational that is actually touching the, the need we have for energy production. And according to the, uh, this guy, Earl Marmar from the, from the Tokamak project, uh, it, it won't be long that um, he, he thinks that at the rate we're going, we can have fusion energy on the grid by 2030. He thinks that's aggressive, but it's not wildly out of range. So maybe it will be 20 years, right, if you want to be. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, it's not just the, uh, um, the, the American reactor that, um, that was used for research. Uh, there's, there's, there's one in Europe as well, right? And it's, and it's still operational. Still going. So, that's right. Yeah. And, and uh, they're still, still working with that. So, you know, uh, 
perhaps it won't happen in the United States uh, uh, where the, the, the final uh, bricks are laid in this, but, uh, um, I, you know, it's still – the uh, research is ongoing, and that's awesome. Well, what's interesting is that uh, this, is, this is kind of how long it takes for something to sink in. They ran that tokamak reactor for about 20 years, and they're still going through the data, and they're still running models to figure out exactly how you implement this on a wider scale. They know they can make energy. They know you can get net energy out of a fusion reactor. I, I, I still would suggest that this is the earliest, you know, this is like steam-powered fusion, right? This is, this is almost steampunk fusion probably compared to what we'll have in the future. But it's a good start. And if it can be made viable, that is to say, if you can hook it up to the grid and you're getting net energy out of the deal, it's adding to what we need. It's not hurting the environment. It's not depleting other sources of energy, right? I mean, it's, it's doing all the good things. That, that, is a, that, that is a huge step, a huge step in the right direction. And watch it take off once it's implemented commercially. I mean, they're figuring it out, you know what I'm saying, all from this data without it actually being in production. You put it in production, and that's where the rubber really hits the road. That's where people really start scratching their heads and, and figuring out how to optimize the technology. And probably that's where some bright engineer 10 years from now is going to sit down and think, wait a minute, you know how we could actually build these reactors? And then, and then the next generation of fusion react, reactors yeah. comes along. And, and it, these things don't produce the same amount of uh, radioactive waste. It's very little radioactive waste associated with this. And, uh, um, and it, it, they're just so much safer and, uh, and basically limitless power. We've got, you know, the world's oceans would power, you know, power the planet forever practically. Um, with, yeah, they uh, take in water and they put out a little less water. That's it. And <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when I say a little less, un I mean un unnoticeable, uh, unnoticeably, <laughs> a noticeably less small less. amount of water. That's right. That's that's all. That's it. You know, you take in water, yeah. you put out water. It's a, it's it's a it's a nice process. And what you get in the and what you get out of the deal is, as you said, unlimited, unlimited energy. I think the only thing that can stop thermonuclear power is solar. Is is if yeah. we get so good with solar that we don't need it? We get, if we get solar so good and batteries so good that we say, ah, you know what, this just this is nice, but uh, yeah, doesn't have. But it. but here's the thing: we'll still do it because uh, there, there'll be places and times like you know, spaceflight, for example, that will still want those fusion reactors. We're, yeah. Uh, ulti ultimately, humanity will do it. Uh, it's just uh, you're, you're right, though. It's uh, there's. Um, you know, will solar overtake it? That's the that's the question. So, well, I think it, it might it might be one of the reasons it's gotten so little attention over the last few years. They've been making real breakthroughs with fusion, but we haven't heard much about it. Why not? Well, maybe because it's solar has just been on this trajectory. Solar has been on yeah. this incredible trajectory over the last two decades, and it's just kind of eclipsed. Pardon the pun. Um, Fusion, right? You know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of got it's kind of hogged all the attention, along with a focus on wind and and, and some of these other sustainable energy technologies. But I, I, yeah, I, I think it's such a it, it is such a bang for the buck that eventually we will have it. And plus, I want a car that's fusion powered sometime. You know, that that'll have to be a much you know, smaller fusion reactor. When the history of all of this is written, I, I'm, I'm what I'm kind of interested in is. Um, what they learned in the last six months to a year before uh, this uh, uh, Tokamak uh, fusion reactor was shut down. Because 
they took some they took some risks they took some chances that you know uh with what they were doing that they right. normally wouldn't have done because they they knew that this thing was about to you know they're they're about to lose funding it's about to be shut off so well why not let's let's uh let's uh, let's try try some things we weren't we wouldn't have tried otherwise for fear of we were going to tear up our reactor or something right right and uh, and they gathered data during that time I, I i'm i'm interested in knowing what you know what <laughs> was it worth the risk that they took well you know it it, it didn't uh, destroy the reactor before it was shut down so i you know if they learned anything i guess it's worth it but still i i think that's interesting uh, that at the very at the very end they were really pushing it they were they were trying all kinds of stuff. Well, as I read this yeah. article, it's interesting to see that the big push, the big challenge has been to find a way to keep the whole process stable. And you right. know what it reminded me of as I was reading this was quantum computers. This is the, 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 the other great coming technology that the whole thing hinges on being able to, you know, keep this kind of tricky thing going. In the case of quantum computing, it's actually keeping the whole thing appropriately unstable, right? That <laughs> allows you to do the... Uh, the, the, the quantum computing. And in, in nuclear fusion, it, you've got this very precarious, beautiful, natural process that we're making happen on the surface of a planet that's supposed to happen in the core of a star. And you can do it if you, if you, if you create just exactly the right circumstances and keeping those circumstances going. That's, that's, been, that's been the trick. So yeah, I think they, they really pushed the envelope on that towards the end to say, well, will this work? Well, what happens if we do this, right? And hopefully, you know, that provided them enough data that, that they really can stand behind some of these bold statements this guy's making now. I hope he's right. I'd love to see I, fusion uh, on the grid I, by 2030. The complexity of doing it for the first time. You know, I, I, I've heard it compared to this. It, imagine the person who built the first, the world's first internal combustion engine being blind and using tools with 10-foot-long handles. You know, <laughs> not being able to see what he's doing and not being able to get any feedback from, you know, uh, 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 from what he, he or she is doing. Right. And that's hard. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you, and, and to do it for the first time with no, with no one else having done it before. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's the, that's the level of complexity you're talking about building, uh, a fusion reactor that uh, you know is net positive for energy and stable and and keeps going. Yeah, that's the that's the tough one. So, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's let's yeah. talk about uh, forget the blood of teens. This pill promises to extend life for a nickel a pop. That sounds that sounds pretty good. Obviously, well, the blood was, of teens. I was really are, are, look, I was really looking forward to being a vampire with abs. Bill. Yeah, so I, I, I can't. I can't do yeah. that. Blood of <laughs> teens. Of course, we've it. talked about this. Is reference to the fact that some people are getting infusions from young people in order to take advantage of certain properties of young blood that potentially might might fight aging. Well, maybe there's an easier way than lining up your local teenager and uh, paying them to give give them some of their some of your blood. And in fact, maybe it is something that uh, we've known about for some time, right? Yeah, and um, it turns out to be something that's um, almost a, uh, you know, what it would be a, a supplement, right? It's, uh, what is this stuff? It, it um, is actually a controlled substance called metformin, and it's, um, okay. it's been around forever. It's a diabetes treatment. Um, it, it's, it helps people with, I, I think it's used spe- specifically with type 2 diabetes, maybe, maybe with all types, but um, it, it's actually been around for 
hundreds of years. It's it's been it's been used for for various things, but they started doing this kind of critical analysis on mortality for people who take it, right? People who've been prescribed this for their diabetes, and they found something really interesting out, which is that not only are the people who take it not dying of diabetes, they're also not getting cancer, they're not getting heart disease, they're they're not getting dementia. Um, basically, they're just living longer than the people who don't take it, with or without diabetes. It's you know it was just it was one of those wonderful things lying there in the data. And by the way, sidebar: this is the kind of stuff we're going to find a lot more of in the in the oh, age yeah. of machine learning, right? As 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 the machines go through data and find stuff that that we weren't looking for, weren't expecting, because nobody was thinking of that, right? The the thought yeah. was, well, how effective is this in treating diabetes? Well, it looks like it does a pretty good job. Okay, uh, and, next, next, I'm going on to the next thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got other things I got to think about. That's right. Right, yeah. right. It doesn't occur to you to think, hey, does it cure everything else? You know, you don't. You just that's not the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does it does it solve all the health problems that modern world uh, has to offer? Uh, we, I didn't think to ask that question. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't occur to them to ask. But thank goodness somebody looked into it and found that it turns out it does. It's it's already in addition to diabetes already being prescribed for obesity, uh, for uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, for infertility, for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and for acne. So doctors have, even before this research, doctors had already sort of started figuring out that it potentially could be applied for a lot of other things. Now, we don't like using phrases like miracle drug, but actually I love using phrases like miracle drug. Who am I kidding? I've been marketing for a <laughs> whole life. This hey, may be a miracle hey, drug. Hey, yeah, we we're we're not doctors. We don't, you know, uh, doctors hate <laughs> that's, that's using right. phrases like miracle drug. But uh, we're not selling anything here. But if I were, yeah, that's right. Uh, the thing is, I wouldn't make much money because this stuff is mass produced and it doesn't cost right. much. It it exists. Five it has a generic a version. Yeah, five cents yeah, a pill. Where, you take a couple I, of those uh, a day. That's yeah. a dime a day to live forever, basically. Okay. Now now that we're into well into the hyperbole cycle here, um, y- y- you know, the the point is, wouldn't it be great? If a big breakthrough in life extension, healthy life extension, making people live not just longer, but, but really treating these terrible, debilitating things that occur to us as our body's age, was already there. And all we had to do was start yeah. using it. Right? What, what, a wonderful, uh, <laughs> what a wonderful development. And um, <laughs> this, it's, I, I love the last line here, Phil. Uh, it's not bad for a plant. The USDA officially lists as a noxious weed. <laughs> a noxious weed. So please you know, the, don't go brewing your own, right? Go, go see your doctor. Right. We, we, a, a weed is uh, just a plant, Phil, that we haven't discovered the use for yet. Is what that, there you go. Is the, is the uh, or in Colorado that we've discovered too many uses for. Let me just <laughs> that's, that's a, Yes, yes. That's, that's a different thing completely. Rocky Mountain. You know, they don't call it weed anymore. It's all bud and flower. I, I guess uh, it's not respectful to refer to it as weed. Sorry, that's a, that's a real sidebar. Cool. But I, I'm going to tell you something, Stephen. I'm going to give this thing a try. I'm going to go see my doctor in a couple months, and I'm going to say, hey, can you put me on this? What's the harm, right? I've yeah, heard that some yeah. doctors are treating this for obesity. I've got a lifelong battle with obesity. Um, Me too. You know. So, uh, hey, I, why don't we uh, – that, that's the thing. Just, let's commit to our audience that we're going to at least try to get our doctor to prescribe this for us. I am going to talk yeah. to my doctor. You know what they say on the yeah. ads, right? Consult your doctor. I'm going to talk to right. my doctor and see if I can get on metformin. And uh, if I start getting younger, I'll let you know. 
So we'll, uh, <laughs> I'm just feeling better. Uh, let us know. So <laughs> keep right. keep you posted on that. Um, right. Okay, well that's it. So there's three stories: metformin we've talked about before, fusion energy we've talked about before, and the world is improving economically. We've talked about it before, but I'll tell you, it's always great to catch it to to kind of check in on those things because I feel great right now. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the future. And yep. at this point, I'm just totally ready to geek out. Now, you're going to tell me all about Grail games. But, That's uh, right. Before That's we, right. But I hope you, I hope you have uh, another thing as well. Before uh, we go there, yeah, I was going to ask you, have you yeah. seen the new Planet of the Apes? I have not. Uh, that, uh, I'll, I'll uh, take my kids either tomorrow evening or some, uh, maybe a Saturday matinee. Okay, because I have not. And, and I'm, I'm seriously debating whether I'm going to go. I mean, it looks well-made. But I've kind of been reviewing the Planet of the Apes movies in my mind, and I think they've got the, I, I, Andy Serkis, the guy who plays Caesar, is awesome. Okay, and the director yeah, is yeah. he knows what he's doing, um, and he makes these very serious. I, I just feel like, where's the fun gone in Planet of the Apes? Does that movie look like it's any fun at all? It looks really dark and scary, and I don't know. Uh, anyway, so you're going to see it, so you can report back. Oh yeah, you can tell yeah. Me. I'm, I, the first two movies were uh, fantastic. And, uh, well, again, you know, and I, technically well-made, but are they fun, right? Uh, to me, Planet of the Apes should be fun, you know? I, I felt well, like the second one was a very a dreary movie. It's a dystopian future, though, Phil. I mean, it's Yeah, but you put Kurt Russell in a dystopian future, and you have some laughs, okay? You know what I'm saying? I'm just... <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, you first have to put a bomb in his neck, right? And, yeah, uh, that's right. Or time was you could put Charlton Heston in a dystopian future, and you got a fun time. Okay, you're you're coming out of that feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, my day, our dystopian futures were a whole lot more fun. They were more fun. I know. I'm an old man ranting about this, but I think it's true. I, I think. I, oh I, gosh. I, well, the original Planet of the Apes, right? I mean. Good grief, spoiler alert, battle for the planet of the apes. They destroy the earth with nuclear weapons at the end, right? A cobalt bomb goes off and destroys the earth. And that's a fun movie, okay? It's, you know, it's a good one. <laughs> so what, you would tell the uh, uh, movie makers, damn you. <laughs> damn you, <all> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they blew it up. That's they right. Blew it up. They blew it up. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. Well, I, I wish I had the clip cued. We would play that right now. Charlton Heston sums it up, sums it up for me. Because there was that weird intermediate one, the the uh, R- Richard, uh, uh, what's his name? The um, anyway, Mark Wahlberg. I, I'm, was I'm, fu- I'm fuzzy on the ones after Charlton Heston. I, well, there was the I, one in 2000, and then and yeah. then and then they did. Which was its own thing, and then they right. started these dawn and battle and 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 all this stuff. Anyway, well, you know, forget about the one two thousand. Two thousand is not it's not a not, well. It was bizarre, but it was but it was fun. Is all I'm saying. You know, it had right. it had it had a you know it had a humorous side to it. There's not a lot of laughs in these Planet of the Apes movies. So uh, you check it out. Oh, you tell yeah. me if I mean you remember the scene in the second one. Where the guys are drinking and the chimp comes up and he's like he wants to get a drink. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I remember. And they okay, up, if that's a human and not a chimp, that's just like one of the most horrifying scenes you've ever seen in any movie, right? I mean, actually, yeah, as a chimp, it's pretty scary too, right? Yeah. Is it me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, it was the uh, the chimp being, um, I don't know. Just uh, being being smart about it. To, uh, to oh, he was, me- but he's so menacing in that scene, right? It, it's actually brilliantly, oh, yeah. uh, 
brilliantly filmed. Okay, well, t- once again, technically they're good. Maybe I'm just too old. I'm too old to appreciate these new newfangled Planet of the Apes <laughs> movies with kids and the loud rock music and the fast way they dance. All right, tell us about Grail Games, Stephen. I'll, okay. I'll stop ranting. All right. Okay, so uh, again, I'm going to dip into the uh, to my hobby here, the uh, you know board game hobby that I have. Right in in, uh, in collecting these games, you find that some of these things they go out of print. Okay, right. and uh, and and sometimes uh, the rep- reputation of these games that have gone out of print just keeps going up and up and up, and uh, right. to the point that uh, you know there. You know, uh, people start paying hundreds of dollars for some of these games, okay? And uh, so I, I guess uh, I feel like, I, you know, I, I said, okay, well, let me just check my check my shelf. Uh, you know, do I have some of these now? I mean, I've been collecting these for a while, and it turns out that I do. And, uh, you know, I've, I've even sold a couple of them. But it's hard to um, – I mean, it's hard to bring yourself. If you've got something that's, you know, is going up in value, right. pull the trigger on that, right? I mean, right, right. I've got some. I've got some. Uh, a couple of these uh, games on the shelf. I could easily, you know, uh, uh, sell for two, three hundred bucks. And, uh, and 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 I have a couple of times. But uh, at the same time, I always think, you know, um, this is one of those that I could, you know, I could, you know, pull out and enjoy again with the with the family. And so I just don't. And. Uh, but then you know, so I guess the the point I'm trying to say is that uh, there, you know, if something is thought of well enough, long enough, and it's out of print, guess what? It comes back into print, and the game and the game that was sitting on my shelf that was worth hundreds of dollars last month, it's now worth you know thirty bucks because it's back in print. So I guess oh, you know, I take a chance. In, any kind of collecting you do, I guess you take a chance uh, with. Uh, with uh, things going up and down, but but your but your whole thing isn't really about arbitrage, right? You you like playing them? No, not right? at all. But uh, yeah. but still, you know, when you when you're talking about something you put thirty bucks into ten years ago, now being worth three hundred, you know, and you, you go, hmm, you know, should I, you know, what should I do with this? Uh, should I hang on to it, or you know, who knows? It might you know it might never come back into print, and uh, in ten years from now, it's. It's worth a thousand bucks, right? So what you do is you you get the group together, you play it to see if you need to right. hang on to it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of one of my favorites that I is uh, Star Wars: The Queen's Gambit, and mm. uh, it's and it's it's a you know a Phantom Menace game. Okay, so you know everybody's like ah, stupid stupid Phantom Menace. Well, at the end of Phantom Menace, four things are going on at the same time. There's the Battle of the uh, Oh gosh, what's those creatures uh, that were fighting the uh, fighting the battle droids? Um, the Gungans are fighting the, the Gungans, battle droids. Yep. And, yep. and then you got the you got the queen making her rush into the uh, into the uh, into the palace, and then you've got uh, uh, you know the two Jedi fighting um, you know um, Darth, Darth Maul, Maul, right? Yeah. Yep. And then and then lastly, you got uh, you got Anakin flying uh, into space to, and and shutting down the the ship that's controlling the droids, the battle droids. So you got four things happening at once, and that's what you do in this game. Um, you're, you're, and you have to, you have to devote time and uh, you know a part of your, uh, you know, um, your turn uh, to each of these areas. But you don't, you know, you need the, you have to get the balance right because if you're doing too much of one thing and neglecting something else that has to be done, then you end up losing the game to the to the other person who's who's got his his or her balance correct. So it's a, it's a fascinating game. And, 
likely will this one will likely never be back in print. So, um, anyway, so there's there's games. What's like it worth that. now? Um, if you buy it still in the plastic, which mine is not, because I've been having Playing fun with, with it, my sure. game, yeah. but yeah, but if you buy it still in the plastic, it's about six hundred bucks. Uh, as as uh, as is um, my 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 copy is probably worth uh, two fifty three hundred bucks. Oh, see, well, that see, so strategically, you could let that go, and then you buy two or three new games, right? I mean, it's uh, there. You go. Uh, if I, if exactly, I, I could, uh, you know, I could do that. I, I have this hobby pay for itself. That's that'd be pretty exactly. Cool. But, you know, yeah. I just can't. You know, that's the thing. Can you part with it? Can you? Well, that's the know. thing that you got to decide, Stephen. We can't decide that's that right. for you. you. You have to. <laughs> There's no right answer to this either. No, you got to decide what kind of collector you are. Right, and I have a feeling you're not parting with any of them. That's that's my gut. <laughs> I parted with a couple of them. Uh, oh, okay. It, it, it okay. was just it, it, the money was too sweet. I had to I had to sell a couple things, and then I find myself thinking about it after I did. Right. It. Uh, <laughs> do you think oh, I, I should have held on to get more money, or do you think, oh, I want to play that and now I can't? Uh, embrace the power of yes, I guess. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> it's all of it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Also, there's just the, I used to have it, now I don't, right? That that whole... Exactly. That yeah. empty feeling. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> there's a scene in uh, the movie uh, Heaven Can Wait um, with Warren Beatty. You remember that old yep. movie? I love that movie, uh, at, yeah. I love it, too. And uh, Charles Grodin. The, that's one of Charles Grodin's best movies, right? He's just oh, so yeah, awesome, awesome in that. Yeah. He, was, he was awesome in that. There's yeah. a scene where the, uh, you know, this rich you know, fat cat, of course, is uh, sitting there mourning the fact that he, you know, that uh, Mr. Farnsworth, the Warren Beatty character at that at that time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he was, that SOB got my team. I can't believe, you know, and... Uh, and his friend who's standing next to him said, well, what kind of high-pressure tactics did he use to get the team from you? Yeah. He, said, he says, I told him it would cost him $20 million, and he said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the guy, the guy says, ruthless SOB. Ruthless, right? ruthless bastard. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it just, when it comes to collecting things, uh, you just have to know what they're worth. So some of them may wear you down. That's what you're saying. There might be a few ruthless uh, bastards right. out there who are going to get you. Yeah, games. there's okay. some ruthless bastards out there that'll buy my games. I promise. You. All right. I, okay. Well, don't give up too many because we like hearing about them. So. <laughs> All right, Phil. All yeah, right. Well, that's been a great week. Go ahead. It's uh, uh, been a great yeah, week, I said, and uh, looking forward to it. We promised a fun end of the week, and I think we've had one. So we're going to pick it up next week. Three brand new shows. Uh, look forward to talking with you, Stephen. Look forward to being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. <laughs>